Blog Talk Radio. Again, we're coming to you live from the Eastern Radio Show Studio in St. Augustine, Ponte Vedra, Florida. Thanks for listening to Eastern Airlines Talk Radio. My name is Neil Holland, the producer of the show, and we have a great show for you tonight. And to all the listeners around the world, we say welcome. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate the life of Eastern Airlines every Monday at 7 p.m. Mr. Chuck Albright, would you start our show off, please? I sure will. Hello, friends. As our producer said, it's great having you with us. My name is Chuck Albright, and I'm filling in for Jen, Jim Hardy. He's traveling from his home in Martha's Vineyard to his winter home in West Palm Beach. Drive safely, Jim, and we'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. I'm coming to you from, live from my home in the villages, Florida, where the weather has had a low today, actually, of 67 and a high of 89. Welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show. You have truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. In fact, we can now say we became Eastern Airlines' international radio show with over 50 countries listening in. Hello, Poland, Mongolia, China, India, Thailand, Ecuador, Colombia, Iran, Turkey, and all of Europe and most of Asia, just to name a few who tune in to us on a regular basis. We love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. All you have to do is call the show before. All you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just say hello to talk to us on the air live every Monday evening. We can identify many countries around the world who listen in with our Blog Talk radio application. Isn't it great that we can keep up with the Eastern legacy going out to not only the Eastern family, but to listeners from many different countries around the world? That's what we try to do every week on the Eastern radio show. Won't you join us and add your voice to these broadcasts? Our thanks also to those who choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.easternradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in at the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, 
at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free. Use our call-in number, 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Let me repeat the number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits. By the way, tell your friends about us, and the membership is growing. The number is 213-816-1611. We are now 1,025 members. And don't forget, you can listen to any of our 430 Monday night broadcasts and 100-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E and scrolling down through the archives of the broadcast. Each episode is briefly described. We're over 500 episodes now with, from Eastern Files and the Eastern Old Time Radio Series. As Jim Hart likes to say, holy blue Sudoku, isn't that something? Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our hosts, we ask you to please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises. I see we're number one for takeoff, so Captain, let's get Flight 430 in the air. Tower Blur is 650, we'll tip up. Last year, the Federal Trade Commission 
noted that the older consumers are more likely to report they've been victimized by financial exploitation than their younger counterparts. So in order to help you protect your loved ones, here's what you need to know about some of the most common types of scams targeting seniors and how to avoid them. Mike, would you like to take the first name on our list? Yeah, certainly, Dorothy. Uh, The first one is beware of Social Security spoofing calls. There's been a significant uptick in fraudulent telephone calls from people claiming to represent the Social Security Administration, SSA. And here's how one of them works. Unknown callers threaten victims that they may face arrest or other legal action if they fail to call the provided phone numbers or press the number indicated in the message to the address concerning the issue. Sometimes the scammers switch the tactics to say what they want to, that they want to help an individual activate a suspended Social Security number. They may even spoof the actual Social Security number hotline to appear on the recipient's phone as 1-800-772-1213. Now, the word spoof means to hoax, trick, or deceive. Therefore, in the IT world, spoofing refers to tricking or deceiving computer systems or other computer users. This involves masking the IP address of a certain computer system. If you receive one of these calls, hang up. Know that the Social Security rarely contacts persons by phone unless you have an ongoing business ongoing business with them, and they, they never make threats about your arrest or legal action. Report suspicious calls to the SSA office or of the Inspector General by calling 1-800-269-0271 or submitting a report to the OIG, which is the Office of Special Invest, Office Inspector General, and Don, what's next on our seniors list for you? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, number two uh, is watch for the new twist on old grandparent scam. The grandparent scam has been around for several years. In this approach, a person calls an older adult uh, pretend, pretending to be a grandchild who has been involved in an accident or legal trouble and needs money immediately. Recently, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, found that instead of using wire transfer or gift cards, an increasing number of older adults are mailing cash to these fraudsters, which a medium level of approximately $9,000. That's a lot of money. According to reports, the scammers often ask seniors to divide the bills into envelopes and place them between the pages of a magazine, then send them using various carriers such as UPS, FedEx, and the U.S. Postal Service. The FTC warns that if you or a loved one receives one of these calls, don't act right away. Call that grandchild back on the correct phone number and verify their whereabouts. If you've mailed cash, report it right away to the Postal Service or shipping company that you used. Some people have been able to stop delivery by acting quickly and giving the tracking number. Be sure to also file a complaint to the FTC at ftc.gov forward slash complaint 
Our producer had one of these played on him about his son via email. Now, Chuck, what's our third scam that I'll look out for? Well, Dan, uh, number three is popular one used by after a natural disaster, you know, wildfires, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes. These unpredictable forces of nature can be devastating to those living in the affected area. Even those not directly affected might want to lend support in whatever way they can. Unfortunately, natural disasters are a golden opportunity for scammers who target both those who have been directly affected and those who want to offer their support. Natural disaster scams typically start with unsolicited contact by telephone, social media, email, or even in person. Scammers may impersonate a charity to get money or private information from well-meaning customers. They also want to set up fake websites with names that mimic legitimate charities to trick people into sending money. Or they pretend to be from the IRS and collect personal information under the guise of helping victims file lost claims and get tax refunds. To find the reputable charities to support victims of natural disasters, use the IRS tax-exempt organizational search or look for an organizational charities rating on places such as GuideStar and Charity Navigator. If you're a disaster victim, use NCOA, Benefits Checkup, Disaster Assistance Tool, to find legitimate help with relief and financial assistance. Colleen, do you have more to add to our list? Yes, Chuck. Here are three more to be mindful of. Number four, prescription drug scams. Seniors often take a myriad of prescription medication, which can be quite expensive. Sure, Medicare helps with the cost, but some seniors are still left paying hundreds of dollars per month for prescriptions. It's no wonder that seniors are likely to fall for online schemes that promise deeply discounted prices on medications. But once shoppers hand over a credit card number, their money is taken, and they'll never receive any medications. And then there's there's always this next one. Number five, investment scams. Plenty of seniors are eager to multiply their nest eggs to provide for a more comfortable retirement. And if they've already saved a tidy sum, they may have a little which, with which to take some risk. That makes seniors easy prey for fake, quote, investment opportunities, unquote, that don't really offer a return. Whether it's plowing money into a fledgling or even fictional business, or buying a vacation property that doesn't exist. Investment scams can deplete seniors of their savings in the blink of an eye. Number six, internet and email scams. And the internet can be a confusing place for seniors who haven't had much experience with technology. A Pew Research Internet Use Study found that many adults over the age of 74 use the internet solely for health information, news, buying products, and are not as savvy when it comes to email, social networking, and online safety. When a senior receives an email promising big returns for a small investment, it can be easy to become excited. Even if you can spot an internet or email scam from a mile away, an unsuspecting senior might hand over his 
or her personal information without a second thought. How many times have you received a message in your inbox notifying you that you're the winner of a lottery in Nigeria or some other faraway country? Savvy Internet users know the old tricks, but less confident seniors often fall prey to the claim that they've hit it big. Usually, lottery schemes operate by asking the target to pay a certain amount to redeem the cash prize or to pay for the shipping and handling to receive other goods. They might also ask for bank routing and account numbers and other highly personal information, which is then used for theft. Now, I have another one that I'd like to add to this script tonight. Um, I was just made aware of this before we went online tonight when a friend said that uh, she had a call from a 304 area code. And the first question they asked was, can you hear me? And she replied, I can hear you. They asked her three times. She kept replying, I can hear you. And then they hung up. The reason they hung up is because they're trying to get you to say yes. Once you say yes, you may have just agreed to purchase all kinds of products. So whatever question they ask you, they may say, I've gotten calls. And they say, is this Mrs. DeFelice? I always say, you're speaking to who you called, or some other answer. I never say yes. As soon as you say yes, they could have, could, may not always be, but just beware of that and try not to say yes. Uh, Don, um, you have a news article about scams. Would you explain more on that? Yes, I will. Thanks, Colleen. This was uh, broadcast on local news, WKMG. On September 20th, uh, 2009, by Mike Holfield, the reporter. Uh, FTC imposters offering refunds in tech support scams. Orlando, Florida. Virginia Mandel thought it was odd when the Federal Trade Commission's refund department sent a poorly written email message last Thursday that announced, quote, your refund has been already initiated as per government rules, unquote. According to the supposed FTC alert, the refund was supposed to be uh, covered uh, money lost in a fraudulent tech support scheme. The message never indicated how much money was lost or the amount that would be refunded. The email written to her husband, Arthur, uh, had another uh, kind of a glaring flaw. Arthur Mandel died in 2011, eight years earlier. I said to my grandson, quote, this is for Grandpa. She recalled, he's going he's gonna to be gone for eight years. Why would they send me an email for this? Monica Vaca, Associate Director of the FTC's Division of Consumer Reports, an operation said that fake FTC refund message is a recycled scheme dated back to 2014. According to Vacker, the whole idea is to get consumers to hand over their personal information. Quote, the FTC does not give out refunds to customers. The trick is We never ask anybody to send money first. 
According to the FTC, more than 311,000 consumers have reported being contacted by government imposters through September 11th, with the total losses estimated at $67.3 million. According to VACA, government imposter schemes cost the United States consumers almost $500 million last year. Becca said the email con, the con man, keeps recycling the FTC description because it's cheap to set up and can be lucrative for the people behind them. This is not a scam that is unique to Central Florida or anywhere in the United States. This is a scam that began around the country for a long, long time ago. The email appeared to come from the ETC's refund department, but, in fact, the department is actually called Office of Claims and Refunds. And yes, the FTC does reissue refunds. According to the FTC, between July 1st, 2017 and June 30th, 2018, the agency's law enforcement actions yielded more than 2.3 billion dollars in refunds to defrauded customers, including $122 million mailed directly by the FTC to 2.2 million people. And you can find out more about these numbers and complaints at uh, www.clickorlando.com and just scroll down until you find what you need. Uh, back to Neil, I believe. Okay, thanks a lot, Don. Good information. Now, here's another scam called the reverse mortgage scam. Ah, the old first re- uh, reverse mortgage. First <laughs> off, I'd like to say that these type of mortgages are excellent for those they are designed for. I've been in the mortgage business for a number of years, and I've taught this FHA-sponsored mortgage over the past several years to mortgage brokers and bankers. Now, here's how they become a scam on seniors. Reverse mortgages have made it possible for some seniors to have a more comfortable retirement by turning their home equity into a reliable stream of income from the bank. Even the legitimate reverse mortgage, however, should be considered carefully, as in many cases, you must eventually Turn your deed over to the bank. In other words, the bank and not your heirs could get your home when you pass away. Unfortunately, not all financial institutions are the real deal. Seniors can fall prey to a scam artist who proposes a reverse mortgage and then steals the equity. It's one of the most complicated scams, but it also yields some of the highest returns for scammers. Okay, back to you, Dorothy. What's number eight? Number eight is charity scams. Scammers posing as charity workers contact seniors and offer up a sad story, which, of course, concludes with a plea for funding. Seniors are taken in by the tail and send along money to help. Charity scams often carry a note of urgency. A telemarketer might note that money has to be given now or ask that a credit card number be given 
in lieu of a mail check. This gives the senior virtually no time to investigate the supposed charity and contemplate whether they should give. Such a scam takes advantage of a senior's compassion, which can make it especially hurtful. Mike, what do you have for number nine? Yes, Dorothy, number nine on the list is check scams. Check scams involve con artists offering to buy an item from a seller. Often an item has been up for sale online through Craigslist uh, using a cashier's check, which may be made out in the amount is greater than what is necessary. The scammer then asks that the check be cashed and the excess funds be returned. Of course, the check is fraudulent. But if this money is returned before the seller realizes this, they have lost the funds as well as the item they put up for sale. Since cashier checks are usually good as gold, some seniors don't ask questions and are taken by the opportunity to sell quickly. Colleen, what do you got for like number 10? Okay, Mike, it's called Help Scams and what Don told us about in number two called Grandparents Scams. This is a scam that often confuses the elderly as it causes them to panic and act without calmly considering the situation. A scam artist calls up the unsuspecting target and with some basic information convinces the senior that he or she is a grandchild in a dire situation. Then the scammer asks for financial help because of an accident or other emergency. The scammer then has money wired directly into his or her hands. Of course, the real grandchild is perfectly fine, oblivious that his or her name has been used to execute a scam. Now, here are 10 original suggestions to our listeners as to uh, not to give when answering strange calls or emails, and I would like to add number 11. Number one, never give out a credit card number over the phone. Number two, never give out a social security number, even the last four digits. Number three, always ask for the caller's phone number. You'll usually hear a click. Number four, never believe your caller's ID until you have done some research. Number five, never pay up front for a promise. Number six, hang up on robocall. Number seven, never deposit a check and wire money back. Number eight, never sign up over the phone for free trial offers. Number nine, always do a due diligence. Talk to a friend and check it out. Number 10, never be in a hurry to respond. And number 11 that I'd like to add, never answer their question with a yes. Neil, you have a personal experience on one of these. Would you care to give us details? Well, it was a long time ago, and my wife and daughter were involved, and I can't remember the highlights. She's not here to tell you about it. And uh, uh, But uh, at any rate, it took place in a shopping center. And uh, there was a person, vaguely I remember, that uh, had, a, had a check from a different bank, and he was out of town. And if uh, she would uh, or they would uh, take and put it in their own bank and make the deposit and then give the money to him, then uh, they would be uh, very appreciative of it. And uh, now that was about 30-some years ago, maybe even 40 wow. years ago. So, you know, scams have been around for a long, long time. I suppose they originated with a caveman. But, uh, <laughs> but at any rate, 
there are so many more, I'm sure, out there. But uh, it's good to run these by uh, folks like uh, we retirees, and and I'm sure all of you guys, you listeners, have um, had maybe someone to call, and and you possibly thought it was a scam. I'm wondering about these politicians today when they're always uh, on the Internet wanting you to donate or either take a poll. And when you take that poll, uh, before you can submit your answers to a poll of questions or a group of questions on that poll, you have to donate before you can see the results. Has that ever happened to any of you guys? Yes, that's happened to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So today yeah. I had the Social Security call, <laughs> and uh, John got one too on Social Security. And uh, the other day I had another call, uh, government call, and none of it, of course, is true. It's just a, a scam and a ploy. Well, I just hang up on them. Um, I don't even give them the time of day because I don't want to answer any stupid questions. You never know what you're answering, just like Colleen said, and it's true, very true. And it's like Colleen said, just the word answer, yes, just that one word will trigger something at the other end. Hey, Neil, this is Chuck. Go ahead, Chuck. I went out and got a phone uh, because I've got hearing aids, and that phone has a robocall in it, and when robocalls my house, I don't answer the phone. The robocall does, and these these guys that call all the time, they hang up right away. So if, if you could look around and find one of them, it's a really nice thing to have. Where'd you get it? I got it from a, a, a hearing company, and it was free. Oh, they came in, and, and they put... Th- Three phones in my house because I told them where I, out in my office and one in my living room and one by my bedroom, and uh, they work just fine. They, I never, I never have to even worry about uh, answering the phone when a robocall comes because the phone automatically picks it up. Yeah, and what and they're doing right up, now. Uh, and what they're doing right now is. You're getting calls that say someone else's name and number, but when you answer, it's not them at all. I got a That's call to, to me, myself, from me. <laughs> you know, it had my name and it had my number up there, and I didn't call, and Dom was sitting next to me. He didn't call. We're calling ourselves. So you can see how they get your number. And they call you right back using that number, not even knowing that it's you. It's so silly. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Neil, unfortunately, my my mother was going through dementia, and as we were just realizing how badly it was affecting her, and she was still living at home, uh, she was just uh, inundated with scams and taken yeah. several times. Um, one one was writing yeah one was writing a check she wrote it she oh, every charity would send to her and she would just yeah. keep writing yeah. checks to oh. them even if it was the same charity three times a yeah. week oh. because she didn't remember 
Our and, daughter-in-law, uh, she was, Colleen, is the same predicament. She's Her mother has dementia, or, and she's doing the same thing, yeah. and she lives in Finland. And our daughter-in-law has to go all the way over to Finland to uh, try to make her understand that she just can't write checks out to people you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's and, when you and start to take the checkbooks away because they just can't can't do it. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's what I ended up that's what I ended up having to do. And my father, mm-hmm. who never wrote a check in his life, um, mm-hmm. of course, with with her state of mind, then she thought that we were conspiring against her. Yeah, yeah. you know. So she was always the one in charge, and now we were taking that away from her. But uh, the, in the fine print gave them access to continually take monthly uh, finances yeah. out of her checking account. Because wow. because she didn't read the fine print, and she was like, "I never authorized this." Well, she didn't read it, but she did authorize it. So yeah. they were taking lump sums out every month, and they lived on social security. Oh. And if I if if we hadn't caught it, and the bank, which was a local bank in a small town that knew them, if they hadn't helped us, they could have depleted their savings in no oh, in six months. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, and I got on phone calls on the extension when she got phone calls from the island somewhere, heavy accent, yelling at her to te- to put money in the mail today. Oh. And they had her so intimidated that she mm. was going to do it. Oh, that is just yeah. So and this happens all over the world. Mm. Yeah, it's not just the people that that are still have. Some faculties that uh, oh. think it's yeah. a true thing, but the people who are in my mother's situation and have nobody looking out for them. Well, that's it. Yeah, that really get they really get the taken. And it's not just yeah. once or twice. Just like you said, it's it's constant because once they get your name and you don't know what you're doing, they keep calling and yeah. doing and mailing and. And I have to say to family members, it's tough on the family member, but you have to you have to take charge. Uh, my mother ended up thinking I was, you know, conspiring against her, hated her, accusing me of taking all their money, things like that. Yes. And I know it wasn't her, but no. and it hurt, but you had to do it. You had, a family member has to step in and do it. All right. Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Sure does. Um, Happened to too many of us. Right. My father used to say, well, he said, you're doing this uh, because you just want all my money, and uh, you're taking this Mm -hmm. because you want my money. And he used to hate me, and I was the one that was doing the most to help him. But He didn't have any money. Yeah. (laughs) I I was paying for him. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I used to tell my dad, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a sad thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, guys, thanks so much. This is a great conversation. We'll have to do this again because they, more scams pop up. And in our community, anytime someone in our neighborhood, we have a blog for our subdivision, and they put out the latest scam that happened to them. And it's very interesting how yeah. people create these ideas to steal money. Don't have to go to yeah. a bank nowadays to rob a bank. You can just rob it on the phone. They had today on the television that one that Don had. Well, that what they're doing is trying to go through their IP of the number that attached 
your number, mm-hmm. your IP number on the computer, and they're starting to be able to track down uh, their IP number as to where it actually came, taking your number. Um, so that was an excellent, excellent thing that went because you know yourself how many Mac or hackers ruin your computer as it is. I've had it. Chuck has had it. I'm sure some of you may have had it. All of us. All of yep. us, yeah. Yep. Well, listen, uh, we've got two new segments to introduce tonight, and uh, this first segment uh, that we want to talk about is I've labeled it and call it now. I said, can you believe this? Or, folks, you can't make this stuff up. And so, Mike, <laughs> would you tell us all about this uh, first, can you believe this? Okay, sure can, Neil. This was posted on the Internet this past week, and uh, these things go on only in this latest story, but in all segments of, uh, of out there in the world today. But this one is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, after being charged by an Equal Employment Opportunities Commission with fostering a hostile work environment by failing to take action against the pilot posting revenge porn, United Airlines is now said to be in settlement discussions with the federal with a federal agency. Perhaps after years of pretending a flight attendant's torment wasn't the airline's problem, United will finally do right with this thing. When it comes to the pilots behaving badly, it's hard to beat the now retired United captain Mark Eulenbrock of Chesterfield, Missouri. From 2006 to 2015, he was arrested by the FBI. He posted nude photos of a United flight attendant with whom he had a relationship. The photos identified the woman by name and employer and suggested viewers look for her when they fly. The woman identified as Jane Doe in the suit had spent years trying to stop Eulenbrook, including filing three civil lawsuits and winning an injunction forbidding Eulenbrook from ever posting photos online, but he continued to post them. So Doe took her complaint to the airline. She showed the court documents, transcripts of Eulenbeck's disposition, screenshots, and websites, timestamps. It showed sometimes he was posting photos while he was on work layovers. She got nowhere. United's response was to tell Doe that Quote, Eulenbeck's conduct purportedly did not constitute sexual harassment on the workplace, end quote, and it did not warrant intervention or action by the employer, according to the EEOC, filed suit on her behalf. There can be no justification for United Airlines' context because they knew what was happening, said Joseph Guten has an aviation lawyer in Texas who, during his time in the office of the Inspector General, investigated pilot criminal activity. If they think this type of contact is not crossing the line, then United needs to redraw the line. Eulenbeck told the FBI agent that he was addicted to the ple- addicted to the pleasure that he got from posting and removing these photos. Eulenbeck said he can't help himself, the agent said. If it seems incredible that United never took action, even while Doe was providing executives with proof of what appeared to be a compulsive 
uh, criminal behavior. Consider this. Had the pilot not been sent to prison in 2016, Uhlenbeck might still be flying today. Instead, he was allowed to retire with full benefits. Then there was an Eric Benson, a spokeswoman for the airline, said United does not tolerate sexual harassment and its investigation showed that a matter occurred outside the workplace. Rescinding Uhlenbeck's tra uh, retiree travel privileges, quote, was the only benefit that he, or privilege he, we could withhold from him, Benson explained. While the case was removed from the court calendar for the settlement talks, neither the EEOC nor United will comment further on this issue. Uh, Colleen? Wow. Okay, Mike, after an earlier post castigating Jeff Epstein's pilots, David N. Rogers and Larry Vesofik, for their likely role in enabling the sex trafficking of underage teens, I was surprised to learn that when pilots commit crimes, it's difficult to clip their wings. Lynn Lunsford, a spokesman for the Federal Aviation Administration, said when it comes to airline pilots, quote, the only criminal activity that can result in loss of a certificate is using an aircraft to transport illegal drugs and flying while intoxicated, unquote. Earlier this year, Christian Richard Martin, a pilot for American Eagle, was arrested at the airport in Louisville just before boarding the flight on which he would fly as first officer and charged with three counts of murder. American Airlines terminated his employment, but his airline transport pilot certificate remains current, according to FAA records. I Can you can't believe, believe this? that? <laughs> Bruce Wayne Wallace who pled guilty in the fall of 2017 to aggravated promotion of prostitution in Houston while working as a pilot at United, no longer works for the airline, but still holds his ATP license. But wait, there's more. In 2016, Charlotte Huffman, a reporter with WFAA in Dallas, ran checks on airline pilots in three states and discovered working pilots who had been convicted of aggravated sexual assault of a child, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, injury to a child, indecent exposure, <laughs> prostitution, forgery, and burglary. The rationale for keeping licenses to fly separate from criminal action is based, the FAA's Lunsford said, on the notion that the regulations, quote, are primarily related to safety, unquote, which is, after all, one half of its mission. The other half is ensuring efficiency. It is not the FAA's job to step in as courts do and punish behavior unrelated to a pilot's job. Still, the seemingly compulsive acts of harassment admitted to by Captain Uhlenbrock, the violence alleged in Martin's triple murder case, or the judgment and the decision-making that leads a person like Captain Wallace to moonlight as a pimp could evolve into something that might impact aviation safety. Security and safety, often viewed as running on separate tracks, do intersect. History is full of airline accidents that resulted from crimes, both stunning and mundane. That's why we have airport security. Keeping airfields and airplanes free from pilots with a history of unlawful conduct makes sense. That's not the current FAA policy. It's time to consider... Quote, why not? Unquote. 
Dorothy? An excellent report done by Christian Negroni. Christine is a published author, speaker, and broadcaster specializing in aviation and travel. From ABC News to the New York Times to Air and Space and the Huffington Post, she provides readers with news and commentary based on her experience covering the airline industry for the past two decades. We have had her on our show as well. Time Magazine is quoted, Christine Negroni has a mind you can shave with, Time Magazine. And Christine has been on our radio show several times in the past to give her expert opinion on air safety and other subjects. If you want a great read, you can order her book, The Crash Detective, on Amazon.com. And Dorothy, it's about a fascinating exploration of how humans and machines fail, leading to air disasters from Amelia Earhart to MH370, and how the lessons learned from these accidents have made flying safer. Answers about what happened to the missing Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. As Negroni dissects what happened and why, she explores their common themes and, most important, what has been learned from them to make planes safer. Indeed, as Negroni shows, virtually every aspect of modern pilot training, airline operation, and airplane design has been shaped by lessons learned from disaster. Along the way, she also details some miraculous way uh, saves. When quick-thinking pilots averted catastrophic and kept hundreds of people alive. Tying in aviation science, performance psychology, and extensive interviews with pilots, engineers, human factor specialists, crash survivors, and others involved in accidents all over the world, the crash detectives is an excellent, it is an uh, alternately terrifying and inspiring book that might just cure your fear of flying and will definitely make you a more informed passenger. And you can get it at Amazon.com. It's a it's a great read. It's called The Crash Detectors and um, The Crash Detective, excuse me. And um, you can also uh, find it on our website, EALRadioShow.com. She's a featured author uh, with her book. As I mentioned, as we've mentioned, She's been on our show a few times in the past, so we appreciate uh, receiving uh, information that uh, we uh, reviewed tonight for our listeners. Thanks so much, Christine, if you're listening. Colleen? Okay, here's one recommendation from a well-recognized person. Christine Negroni combines her investigative reporting skills with an understanding of the complexities of air accident investigations to bring to life some of history's most intriguing and heartbreaking cases, end quote. Bob Woodruff, ABC News. To get on her blog and receive her newsletter, go to christinenegroni.com. Let me spell that out for you. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-N-E-G-R-O-N-I.com. Subscribe and be fully informed on topics of interest, to pilots that she brilliantly reports. That's www.christinegroni.com. 
And you'll yeah. get, I think it's uh, almost weekly that she'll send you a newsletter. Very right. interesting reading about uh, aviation safety. Now, as you can tell, we're putting more variety in our variety shows by adding special segments as we deem of interest to our listeners. And like with the one we just read, this next segment, we think, will be of great interest to our listeners. What's happening with Eastern Airlines 3.0? Well, if you tuned in last week, you got a taste of it, and it really was interesting. And for that information, we turn to our reporter, Mark Porter, who seems to have an inside track as to what's going on with the new airline that uses the name of the one we love, Eastern Airlines. Mark, if you would share with uh, us your most recent scoop. Well, Eastern has been rather busy this week. Um... Unfortunately, uh, a great airline, Thomas Cook, uh, fell to the hard times of airlines and went out of business. And I've noticed that uh, three Easterns, uh, 767, 300s, are in uh, Europe. Uh, I I assume that they're part of this big Department of Defense operation to bring back vacationers that uh, had been out uh, to the Canary Islands and to parts of Spain uh, under Thomas Cook because the the uh, Chinese uh, operation that was going to rescue Thomas Cook uh, just seemed to fail. But once that wraps up, those seven six sevens should be back home, and then we'll be back to full strength of eight, and they are going to begin painting the tails of the colors of the countries they're going to serve. I see uh, currently that Eastern Airlines is going to be serving uh, Georgetown, Guyana, and Guayaquil, Ecuador, from both John F. Kennedy and Miami International. It okay. uh, looks to me that uh, it looks to me that uh, whatever destination they pick from New York, they're going to pick from Miami. It's rather brave because they're going head to head with America. Yeah. Well, you know uh, we. With uh, Ed Weagle, uh, with uh, Eastern version 2.0, we convinced him, and I think he knew before he started, that he had a huge fan club of retired Eastern folks that were willing to do anything. And on our radio show, they were offering to work for nothing, you know, to get Eastern back in the air. And, and, And I think Ed Weagle realized this and so I hope there's some way, Mark, that you can pass the word over to the ownership of the New Eastern 3.0. I wonder if they mind us calling it 3.0. That's that's our radio uh, jargon, I guess you'd call it. But uh, perhaps we shouldn't call it Eastern 3.0. But uh, Well, they are uh, Eastern Airlines LLC, correct, Mark? Yeah. That, that is correct. Yeah. Um there's a big rumor going around. Now, mind you, it's still a rumor, but it was confirmed by one of the management sources that they might be getting some 787s. And goodness knows there are a lot of 787s sitting around because they've had uh, some engine problems. But that has been straightened out by Rolls-Royce, and uh, they're gonna, they should be back up in the air uh, soon. But Norwegian has 26 of these 787s. And their long-haul division 
is not doing well at all. So it would be interesting to see if Eastern picked up on least some of these 787s. It would improve their on-time performance dramatically if they have to fly the 7.6s hard. Yeah. What well, I'd like to see is the inside of one of these planes, because they say they have a lot of leg room, and at 263 passengers uh, in two class that they're offering, that would be a 32-inch pitch. But if you have a 242 seating instead of a 232 seating, then you can provide a lot of leg room because you're getting more in that middle section. Yeah. Well, Dorothy, Don, and I uh, in Charleston last year had the pleasure of seeing the Lego uh, snap aircraft being put together in Charleston, South Carolina, in a huge hangar that accommodated Don. I, or Dorothy, I want to say either six. There were three on one side and three on the other side, all under one roof of those yeah. airplanes. Beautiful yeah. airplanes. And as and you the go fuselage the rolls in. Yep. Yeah, the fuselage rolls in. The wings are snapped on, and there are very <laughs> few metal parts holding that airplane together, except uh, the bolts and uh, the plates and so forth that actually, uh, when they snap the parts together, I guess they reinforce it with those, hopefully. But uh, what a magnificent airplane it I must say that Boeing had one of the cleanest hangars I've ever seen. And yeah, did you notice, Dorothy and Don, how quiet it was? And they and they didn't seem to have thousands and thousands of employees. Everybody no. was just in either in the plane or a few outside, few walking to another plane. I mean, I couldn't believe that there weren't more people in that building. It was huge. Yeah. And they did have the 777X yes. on one side. Do you remember that one? Uh, and yes. it was just about yes. assembled. Um, yeah, the yeah. wing looks so thin to me. Yeah, beautiful airplane, just gorgeous. One minute we saw a plane on the, the right side, and all of a sudden you see another one come in on the left side going out. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> they did <laughs> They did the exit, uh, uh, the hangar, and then turn around and come back the other way for the yeah. finishing touches at night. Incredible. Amazing what they can do with Legos. Yeah, there well, you go. Uh, yeah. I, I just couldn't believe it. It looked like everybody was just putting it together. I mean, in the yard, as you went along, it's going. It's on a big, big tractor type. Didn't, didn't uh, Enrique uh, also tell us that uh, Boeing had uh, – purchased all their outside vendors yes so that uh there were no delays in 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 all these different parts that have to come into this thing yes yeah yeah and we had an excellent tour guide the chief test engineer uh just excuse me test pilot the chief test pilot at boeing of the 787 gave us the tour yeah and Anybody in Charleston, too. South Carolina, it's worth a trip to go through that Boeing plant. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Probably a you real can see the insides of the, these Eastern yeah. 76s, though. They are just decked out to the nines. They're beautiful. Oh, the Eastern airplanes, amazing. yeah. Amazing. Well, I mean, they've, they've, they've fixed up these two classes. Just beautiful. 
Now, if I want you to... If people could only you, see them, it's like white tablecloth stuff. Yeah. Now, Mark, if you can, be mm-hmm. so kind as to see if you can get the ear of the president of the New Eastern and tell him we'd love to have him uh, on our show. And there are lots of fans out there rooting for his airline. And so we'd all yeah. like to hear him on our radio show. Tell us what's happening. Yeah. I'll I'll send something to John Woolley. He seems to be the one that really had a big interest in getting uh, Eastern Airlines' name and back up. And um, the Woolley family um, has had a long history in aviation. Uh, And they're the ones, I think, totally responsible for Eastern success and are pouring their heart and soul and money and everything into this Eastern to get it up. I just hope that they go with... A few more modern planes, um, but the 7.6 is a great plane if we can find some younger ones. Matter of fact, we do, they do have three younger ones from Shanghai Airways coming along to join the fleet, and they are only wow. about 18 years old, and that's a rather young airplane. Wow. Now they well, have keep a, up the good they, work. They have their control center, too, in Wayne, Pennsylvania now, but the uh, corporate is still in... Um, North Car- uh, High Point, North Carolina, is it not? That's correct. Uh, yeah, I noticed that the uh, CEO um, is still, I think he's a member on the board of Propeller Investments uh, up around the Wayne area. And that's a very a very a strategic place to have the uh, corporate headquarters uh, yes. with close access to New York and uh, Philadelphia and Baltimore should they decide to use one of those in the future. Very good. Well, thank you for for the report, Mark, and find some more stuff uh, for our next uh, show. I hope you can find something, and uh, I will stay in touch. Okay, Okay, perfect. Very good. Dorothy, what do you got coming up, Dorothy? I was just going to say also, Neil, we do have them on the website they have uh, uh, any of the uh, articles that we have seen were put under the Eastern Airlines LLC um, on the news, right under all of the Reaper news, the Silver Liner news, and then you'll find the Eastern Airlines news. Uh, to keep everyone who hasn't been on the program tonight and heard us before, at least they're up to date with what we've been talking about. So that's on there as well. Now, we have some um, other news. Uh, We actually have 1,027 members, and so uh, that's a great thing because it means our membership is climbing, so we're very excited about that. And we had another donation from a member, uh, Mark Harden, who's a former Eastern Airlines group employee, used to work for the uh, Eastern Airlines, too. And uh, he donated $40 to keep us with the legacy of Eastern Airlines going on the radio broadcast. So thank you so much, Mark, for being one of our sponsors. We also appreciate all of our sponsors and members who have sent in donations to help carry on this legacy. Uh, As without them, we can't really do very much at all. So we do appreciate them very much. And, of course, our major uh, sponsor, REPA. We really appreciate everything that they have done and uh, thank them so much for it. 
Remember that donations of $40 or more will entitle you to receive a copy of Neil's book, Wings of Many Free, with that $40 donation. Uh, Jim Holder may have had uh, a few of the repartee magazines for anyone who wants one. So if you want to just email me at host at EALradioshow.com, I'll send him um, your name, and he'll be sure to send one out if he has any left. Now, remember, we have our Thursday programs coming up that uh, are really uh, going head to head with all of the music and history of Eastern out there. We are now planning on uh, old-time radio every single week with Neil as your host and Don as your co-host. So please join us. Uh, our next uh, uh, country singer for the greatest recording artist series that we have is Merle Haggard. And then we'll be on the following week with another a great recording artist. So please join us on Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we have two coming up on our Monday show. Uh, next one is Pop- Popery of Eastern Memories and Letters. And, uh, of course, it's just like Needle's other topics that he has done so well and giving us scripts on. I'm sure we'll have a great one for that segment as well. And following that, we have the Malaysia Flight MH370 mystery that we'll bring to you and discuss. So keep tuned on Monday evening at 7 p.m. and on Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. and they're on Eastern Time. So we thank you so much uh, for being with us. And back to you, Neil. Good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Thanks a lot. Great job.